As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. You're listening to MAF Sports Take. Whether it's breaking news or sports business, this is your home for unmuzzled and unconventional sports talk. With assistant general manager, director of player personnel, and three-time world champion on his resume, David Turner has a thing or two to teach you about pro football. At his side is Ryan Roberts, former college football player, football coach, and NFL Draft Bible's director of scouting. Together, they're here to take you on a deep dive into what goes on in the world of sports. Ryan and David, take it away. Welcome, everyone. Welcome back to Mav Sports Take episode 27 here, your weekly podcast for sports, business, and much more. We're going to give you a wide scope of the sporting world. Here we are to tackle the business of all news you hear about and the inside info that maybe some other media outlets don't want to talk about too much. Me and myself and Mr. David Turner are going to hash out what we're hearing, what the true story is. No fluff on this podcast here at Mav Sports Take. We're going to talk, of course, the big news of the week is Matthew Stafford traded to Los Angeles Rams for Jared Goff and a plethora of draft picks. So we're going to get into that talk. We're also going to talk about some risers during Senior Bowl week. And, of course, we try to have an interview almost every week. And we have one that is actually a really fun one for me because this is the third time that I've had the pleasure of talking to him in some type of podcast or um or uh, seminar type of fashion. So it's going to be a really fun one. We've got Mr. Zach Davidson, tight end out of Central Missouri, slash punter as well. I can't forget about the punting work that he does for uh, the last three years for Central Missouri as well. And, of course, he is a 2021 NFL draft prospect. Before I pop on, Zach, David, how are you, my friend? We haven't talked too much recently. It's been a, <laughs> a little bit of a busy time, you know? It's been a busy time for both you and I, so I understand. Yeah. Everything's been kind of crazy. But, no, everything's good tonight. A little hoarse, so I won't be – Probably as exuberant as usual, but um, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited to to hear what Zach has going and how he's attacking this uh, this off season and this draft process, and then get into the Stafford deal and and all the other stuff we have planned tonight. So let's get this party started. Absolutely, folks. And we want to say before we start, we want to thank everybody that is live with us. We're going to take questions all night. So if you have a question for Zach when we bring him on, if you have a question for one of us, we'll touch base on it during the show. We usually keep, do a mailbag section at the end. We decided to work it into the actual show. So throwing questions at any time could be sports related, could be business related, could be general. You know, you want to know something about David Turner, throw it in the chat. We get we have all the 
time in the world, I think. I don't know. Yes. And we have our first comment of the night, Jack Dispo, Ryan Roberts, a father. Yes, correct. Ryan Roberts is officially a father. So is officially a father. It's officially the third person in the household. Absolutely. Yep. The third most important person in the household, not counting the dogs. Wait, so do, there wait, he goes. I was going to say, do you have dogs? You're, then you're even worse. You're <laughs> yeah, like, right. I, have a, I have a rabbit too, so I don't know where the hierarchy is on all that. Shout out to Jack, though, for being the first comment of the night. We appreciate you so much. Before we get Zach on here, before we get into the thick of it here at Maverick Sports Take, we want to tell you about Maverick Sports Consulting. We would like to ask you to follow, subscribe, and take the chance to interact with us on t- our Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, and other social media platforms. We are a company that is all about helping maximize your opportunities in front of you and your career. The only way we can support you is to hear from you. Your takeaway from tonight's show should be that if you interact with us, we will find a way to help you in your career path, reach out, and we can do Mavs episode on your topic, or we should circle back with you to help you with with your sub-individual attention. Don't worry. Reach out today at Mav underscore sports on Twitter or on all the other social media platforms. So as promised, bring it on now, Mr. Zach Davidson. So real quick, brief background of Zach. If you haven't heard of him, and, well, you are very soon because the 2021 NFL draft is quickly coming upon us. So Zach is an All-American tight end out of Central Missouri, also a three-time All-Conference punter for the team. He went down to the CGS, the College Gridiron Showcase, and weighed in at, I believe it was 6'6 and 5'8 off the top of my head, 248 pounds. So for the Division II level, when you're talking about can a guy play at the next level, well, we need traits. Certainly at the tight end position, those hit some some thresholds. Those hit some markers. And obviously last year uh, in his junior season, he had almost 900 yards on only 40 receptions, over 20 yards to catch, 15 touchdowns. So Zach Davidson is obviously a very accomplished player. Welcome into Math Sports Take. Zach, how are you, my friend? I'm good, man. I appreciate you guys for having me, and congratulations on the new child in the household. I appreciate it, man. I appreciate it. I'm running on a, a lot of caffeine today, but I'm very happy that we <laughs> are back here tonight. Very That's going to be the rest of your life. It's I about to say, it's only the beginning, my brother. <laughs> yeah, your caffeine addiction is just started. I'm only on three cups today, so we'll, we'll see what happens. So we'll Get up to um, six, and then we'll talk. Yeah, right. Well, this, this mass sports take is caffeine for me. You know, this is an injection of oh, positivity. Geez. And adrenaline, and I have on my on screen, well, not only an 18-year scouting vet, Mr. David Turner, but of course Zach Davidson, All-American tight end. And Zach, I want to talk to you because you know we have talked in the past a couple times, right? Like we had our individual interview. I had you for the D2 showcase, you know, preparing for the spring. Obviously, you decided that you're going to go through the draft process rather and and take your game to the next level and test the waters there. So starting out just with the COVID breakdown, because I know that when we spoke in the past, you talked about, you know, the trials and tribulations going through everything pandemic related. But for the people that may just be hearing from you for the first time, take us into like how these last few months have been, even going back to summer, trying to figure out how managing this, the best way to just, you know, work through all these obstacles and how you were able to, in your opinion, make the best of what is a bad situation. Oh, that's that's a, quite a story, man. Where do I start? Uh, <laughs> starting in the summer, I mean, having a season like I had in 2019, really coming up, popping off on the scene, uh, getting my name out there, doing some things on the field that make me look extravagant. Uh, just really going into the next season, ready to put my exclamation point on 
whatever's left out there to question about me. Uh, but preparing the whole summer for a full season, uh, I mean, working my butt off in a day in, day out, uh, just to have it canceled a couple of weeks before we were about to play our first game. Uh, it, it was tough. It was hard. Um, it was a mental challenge uh, for, for especially the plans I had coming out this December. Uh, Going to finish up my graduation. I mean, had a lot relying on the season, um, just exposure-wise. Um, but we ended up training uh, all the way up until October because we, we were going to try and pick up two scrimmages. They ended up both getting pulled out from under us. So being able to practice under a, a new offensive coordinator allowed me to expand my game just a little bit more. Um, it's not like I took the whole semester off. Um, we were practicing five days a week and we were in the weight room as well um, all the way up until October. So um, it was just, I mean, for me, it, it allowed me to focus on my last semester, it allowed me to meet with agents. Um, I started speaking with agents in January uh, and just kind of carried out conversations, build rapport with uh, several a handful of guys and just allowed me to make my decision in November. Um, after hearing a lot of good feedback, I decided to come out um, and we're here. I mean, I got down to Bomberitas a week before Christmas, got a full weekend to help me prepare for Christmas break so I could train on my own just to give me a little head start before I went full go in January. And then uh, we're taking it off ever since. I mean, Pete Bomberito has a great facility down here, great staff, uh, great program to put guys through. Um, so I've been killing it ever since. Uh, I've seen my body weight increase. I'm being able to emphasize areas that I've uh, needed to work on and necessarily haven't had to focus on it at, at the, the division two strength staff level. Um, just being able to focus on it hundred percent of the time, it's a full-time job now and I'm loving it, man. It's everything I could ask for and can't wait to keep going. Mm -hmm. Now Zach, you, mentioned I, I, the, you mentioned sorry. a couple things there, Zach, you talked about talking uh, through with agents and stuff. What, who is your agent and what was the determining factors that led you to uh, sign with them? Um, I ended up going with Carter Chow and Ian Dubin Sports. Uh, uh, really, reputation right there. Um, with Don Yi having success with multiple clients in the past, I mean, he represents some of the hierarchy guys. Just drop one name, uh, Tom Brady. I think that says enough just to see the way he's handled his career professionally. Uh, I mean, every, every agent in their firm. Uh, has their law degree. So that was something huge for me. Uh, I don't want any question marks on any any endeavors down the field business-wise. So um, really that plus their connections. Uh, having over 25 years uh, with between the three uh, was a big deal for me. Knowing how to negotiate with teams, how to reach out, how to send, get my name out there for me. Um, it was huge. I mean, and having a mutual friend and coach Swoboda when he was at UCLA, uh, Donnie actually represented him and he's the one who put me in contact with him at first. So, um, just having somebody that I trusted, uh, meant a lot, uh, because he trusted them. I mean, he had been represented for several years under them. So, um, yeah, it was just, it started there and it just took off, man. 
what is you were saying you had some stuff you needed to work on or and i imagine maybe you got some feedback from nfl guys or or your coaches on what to work on you said down at bomberitos before the draft what are a couple things that you've worked on since getting with bomberito and them um really uh, it's a lot of core strength and upper body strength i feel like that's where i was missing out in the run game so uh, having the the detailed focus on on increasing it at a fast rate and, and increasing it in the right areas and making sure it's even and allowing me to perform at a high rate for a high, uh, long long period of time. Uh, just increasing my thresholds and in the weight room and, uh, and on the field. Uh, they're known for their speed program, so really learning how minor increments of the body can be um, adjusted to increase. Uh, performance so um, yeah it's just allowing me to understand how my body works for real and Pete does a great job of explaining it and allowing me to learn while participating in the activity and Zach I know I know when I spoke to you last you were you were um, or actually might have been our first interview you told me that you know your junior year you played around like 235 240 obviously you weighed in at 248 at the college ground showcase, you have that body where I think that you could put on, you know, still a substantial amount of muscle, right? Like you could still redistribute and, and add to that core that you're talking about, right? That that upper body and core strength. For you, is there a playing weight that maybe you guys have targeted? Like that's where I want to get, that's where I'm going to feel comfortable, or is it just kind of like just feeling it out type of thing? Um, it's a feeling it out, just not being consistently at this high of a way. I mean, I'm at 246 to 248 on a daily basis so um being able to consistently stay this weight and perform every day at a high rate um it's 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 a learning experience for me i mean i definitely feel like i have room to go and um it's just going to be feeling it out in the long run um depending on what a team wants me to do if they want me to be more of a why full-time on the field it, it might be me getting up to 250 to 255 260 which i feel my body frame could handle like you said um but if a team wants to utilize me more as a punter and like a third string uh h-back tight end that comes in throughout the game i think the 250 uh will allow me to still be able to be involved in the run game but also allow me to be uh agile and maneuver. I, I haven't yet been up to 255 or 260 so i can't tell you how i'll perform at that weight but just knowing how i've been able to perform down here at so far i feel very confident that i'd be able to perform i don't know if i've ever seen a, a multi-position player in the nfl like i mean there was like the joe webb who could fill in at wide receiver and and, and quarterback a little bit and returner but a punter tight end h back that's that's a rare one that hasn't been seen in the league in a while. What are your thoughts on becoming that type player again and showing teams that you do have that versatility? Like, like how does that make you feel? Um, it definitely makes me feel good. Um, a lot, speaking with a lot of scouts over the past couple of weeks um, at the College Gridiron Showcase and, and other times where I've been able to, uh, just knowing what versatility can bring you to a team. I mean, Every team's got 53 spots, 54 spots. Um, so being able to do multiple things allows you to do more for the team in the long run, allows them to travel an extra safety if they're short depth, allows them to do, uh, I mean, stuff along that line. So uh, knowing that it's it's more job security than anything, um, even starting to take on long snapping and holding just to become a full-time specialist, I have to if the team needs me to uh, be a backup and either of those positions is, is huge for me. So finding the resources to 
allow myself to perform in those spots as well will be huge along these next couple of months. Um, like I said, just job security, man. Uh, uh, more excited for myself than anything. Just learning more about myself each week. Uh, uh, I mean, breaking thresholds on a daily. Um, I mean, that's what Pete's known for down here. So um, just pushing myself to the limit and, and learning as fast as I can. And each aspect of the game is really my goals for the next two and a half months until I get into an organization and really find out what my role will be so I can then um, focus on it and hit the nail right on the head. And David, just to put it out there a little more in the backstory, and I thought this was the most fascinating story. So this is how actually how I got, I found out about Zach, right? So I'm making my preseason lists. I'm trying to find, you know, I'm, I'm making each position, position, you know, position by position, finding names that I think need to be on the board and just to take deep dives into, right? So I go to the Division Two level. I see, hey, wow, this kid is listed at six foot seven, 245 pounds at tight end. Like, he's got to be on my radar, right? So, like, I write his name down. I watch him. And then I, I, you know, I'm, I'm impressed, obviously, you know, over 20 yards of catch, 15 touchdowns, outstanding stuff. I saw the punting thing on the background. I'm like, wow, that's interesting. Okay. That's a, that's a remarkable story. But then I, 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 you know, reach out to Zach, we have the interview and then I do my even more deep research on him. And he had barely played much offense while in high school. He was almost a full-time punter. I mean, I think at senior year, you can correct me, Zach, if I'm wrong about this, but I think you had like maybe six or seven receptions, but they were like 30 yards pop or something like that, right? I, I had I had four receptions, three touchdowns, and I did look it up this past week, and it was 133 yards. There I you mean, go, see? It was just opportunity in high school. Um, being a split yeah. back uh, veer team, I wasn't an inline blocker, and that's what our tight ends were. So I stayed in my lane with playing, and I, I focused on it, and it got me to the next level. Yeah, absolutely. So he goes, so he goes to Central Missouri as like, oh, I'm going to be a punter. We'll see what happens offensively. And then he develops into an All-American tight end. I've never heard any story like this, David. And this is why I wanted to bring him on. Man, it's bizarre and it's awesome. And I'm a believer in the kid's talent level, obviously. This is why I want to have him on. So, hey, uh, hey, hey, Zach, just look at him in the camera and say, baller's ball, bro. I'm a baller. I find a way on the the field. Baller's ball, bro. Like, that's what we do, right? Yeah. I mean, I just, (laughs) I don't want to be the question mark guy. I mean, whether whether it's on fourth down or on third down. So if I get the ball in my hands, I'm going to do what I can to help the team out. So tell us about the uh, opportunity at GCS and what it was like to go down there and be part of that. And, and subsequently coming out of that, what's been the difference in conversation with scouts and teams? I mean, Jose's got a great event going down there. Um, he's got a great staff and, and some got some great seminars set up for guys financially, uh, uh, just letting guys who are choosing to pursue this field of work, um, know what to expect over the next couple of years uh, on top of meeting with numerous scouts and on top of the performance aspect. Um, it's allowed me to really focus on what I need to focus on, whether it's right now, it's just training and getting to where I can be um, pro day slash combine wise, and then focusing on the doing what I need to do later when I have a contract when I have uh, a position to fill, when I have duties on field and off the field. Um, other than that, uh, I was able to meet with uh, 24 out of the 30 teams that were there. And then I was able to go perform um, 
in the tight end wide receiver drills and stay for the quarterback set, which I thought was a huge opportunity for me being one of the only guys who didn't play a season in 2020. So I just, I knew I had to take full advantage of the opportunity. And then, man, I, I mean, I feel like it worked out for me in the end. So. Mm-hmm. And Zach, I wanted to ask now because, you know, with the draft process continuing to get, you know, more regimented, you talked about all the things you've been doing, obviously with a, a little bit of a, a strange case to a degree, you know, just obviously continuing with, you know, playing multiple positions because usually guys are, hey, they're going to be in the weight room. They're going to be doing field drills. They're going to be doing, you know, so, some uh, interview prep. Like that's kind of like the daily regiment for you being a guy that does multiple positions, punter and tight ends and trying to balance both things. What does your daily routine look like as far as training? Do you have like like uh, specific times for tight end and, and uh, punter, or is it like one day exclusive? Like, what does that daily look like? Um, it varies each day. Um, I do focus more on just combine uh, pro day prep, so just running forty. I mean, 10, 5, 10, 5, um L drill, et cetera, on top of doing position drills twice a week uh, with Sly Johnson, uh, premier athlete, shout out. Um, just working drills of, of receiving and understanding what I need to do to get open, understanding how to properly run routes, understand how to use leverage in the pass game, uh, on top of just bettering myself in the run game on my own time. Uh, we don't have an offensive line coach down here. I mean, that's one fallacy of being down here at Bomberitos, but just finding time for myself in that area, um, I, I'm able to do it. Uh, on top of punting, uh, punting's on my own time down here. I'm waiting till some of the pros get back so I can kind of pick their brains a little bit. I mean, I know I have the skill set. I just need a couple tweaks to my operation and I feel like I can make an impact early with that as well. Um, daily, I mean, we have multiple medical sessions of uh, preparing your body to perform and, and preventing injuries. Um, so I'll give an example. One day we were running the pro-I and I, I planted out uh, of a cut and my, my hips kind of tweaked. Ten minutes later, I went into the PT room. He worked on my hips. I I got a massage, and then the next day I was out there performing. Um, I mean, just having that on hand is, is huge. Um, uh, it just allows me to, like I said, nonstop learn and keep performing and keep growing day by day, which was a huge thing for me. And I know you mentioned the combine prep. Are you? Is there a pro day that's going to happen at Central Missouri? Do you know where that's going to occur? Or are you going to be at your facility? Like, what is that format going to look like? Right now, it's to be determined for me. Um, Pete's talked about maybe having something down here for free agents and guys don't have the opportunity, depending on what NFL does with their um, radius to home, uh, homeschool. Um, if anything, I've set it up with Coach Boda at Central Missouri to where I'll be able to go back and film me running through drills and, and stuff like that. So um, we've got a backup plan. I'm still waiting to hear back from a couple of colleges close by. But right now, it's just focusing on on doing what I can up until then to improve my game. And can you give us can you give us a little preview, Zach? I know I'm sure you, maybe you haven't done too much mock pro days yet, but like, what are the numbers going to look like, man? I'm excited because I keep seeing you beating guys down the seam. I know it's you know some people are gonna say, oh, it's at the Division two level, but I think you're a really good athlete. So you give me a preview of some of those numbers. I'm just gonna say it's gonna open some eyes. I'm not gonna give any spoilers. So. Um, We'll see. 
Uh, I'm, I'm out here. I'm working my ass off, and I'll tell you what, I'm 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 reaching thresholds that I haven't reached yet. So um, I'm I'm moving pretty good, and I'm feeling really strong uh, throughout a full forty. Um, and I'm feeling strong in the, the agility drills as well. So um, we'll see when we get there. Love it. I love it. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on tonight, Zach. It was a pleasure meeting you and everything. Is Now tell all the people how to find you on social media and, and where they can maybe see you posting some of your videos on, on workouts and stuff. So scouts that might be listening or personnel people know where to go and uh, watch your workouts even every day. Yeah, I appreciate you. I'm just going to get it in there somewhere. Uh, ZDAV30, so ZDAV30. Um, that's on Twitter. That's on Instagram. I'm, I'm trying to pick up my Instagram game. I'm not too big on social media, so I'm trying to stay uh, as active as I can and interact with as many people as I can. So if you give me a shout out on Twitter or Instagram, I'll for sure try and get you back. But um, I'll keep everybody updated on there, whether it's Pro Day, et cetera. Awesome. Well, again, Mr. Zach Davison. All-American tight end out of Central Missouri, 2021 NFL draft prospect and prospective punter as well. Can't can't forget to throw in the special teams there. Zach, appreciate it again, man. We'll definitely have to do this kind of leading up to the draft. I know you're not quite rid of me yet, man, because I'm rooting for you, and I'll be absolutely just – I'm. I, I just really, like David said, I want to see just the progress that you continue to make towards that pro day. I know it's going to be a huge day for you, but I congratulate you on everything that you're doing, and thank you so much for the time again today. No, I appreciate it, guys. I mean, it means a lot. Um, anything I can do to get my story out there allows people to understand who I am and where I come from. So uh, I appreciate you having me on tonight. Hey, have a good night, Zach. Thanks again. Thank you, Dave. Appreciate it. All right, so, again, we got that was Mr. Zach Davidson, tight end from Central Missouri. We thank him again so much for taking some time with us tonight. Yeah. Definitely have to get him on, David, before the show, uh, before the, the final show happens, right? The NFL draft. I know that he's going to be a hot commodity. I know uh, Daniel Cassie just threw in uh, a cop. He, I, I, I'm a cop guy. If anybody d- follows me on Twitter, you know that. Like, yeah, we all know. I, I like no, we all know. Hey, man, we I'll say know. this, David. I'll say this. Some people hate cops. For me, like for the media presence to, to really – because some people, you know, don't see the game the same, right? So, like, to give him a, just a, a cop for me is just saying, like, stylistically, this is what this guy looks like stylistically this is how this guy wins it's not so much a predictor of success i'm just saying that they are for me just telling you this is the play style this is the play style so that was my best job right there dan i appreciate you for so much for being in here again to stall for a second as i thought of a comp in my head and i will say i think this is a good one this is a good one i think ready green bay packers tight end uh, Tanyan, who had a really nice season this year, had like 11 touchdowns, right? He former quarterback in college, actually. And he's kind of filled out his frame. He's a really gifted athlete. I think that that's kind of a guy, a guy that can kind of uh, threaten the seam a bunch. So there's a quick comp for you, David. Did you like that one? Was that worth it? No, I thought you were going to go with the old Penn State guy that's now down at uh, Miami. Yeah, I thought you were going to give him a Gasicki. Because he said he wasn't much of an inline blocker in high school, and you know he's had to work on that, and that's a gift part of his game. He's going to have to develop coming up to the second level, according to him. So I thought you were going to give me a Kaseki uh, uh, reference here. Well, let's let's say this. Ready? Mine will be Robert Tanyan. Yours could be Mike Kaseki. There's there's David Turner. Oh no, I, I don't know him. There I don't is. know him like you. So. <laughs> Well, I was just listening to the interview. I was listening to what his measurements were. And he kind of measured in like Gusecki, so I was just like, I thought that's where you were going with it. 
Well, and I'll say I'll say um I'll say Mike Yusicki ran like four five one, had like a 40-inch vert. So if my man's testing like that, I'll let him have the Kasicki comp. I'll love it. Dan, we don't for we don't force comps here, okay? We don't force comps. All I know is that I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna tweet uh gonna tweet out that quote from David Turner comparing Zach to Mike Yusicki. It'll be out there. In the <laughs> I'm sure it will within minutes. It will be. Yeah, like I said, I'm sure it will within minutes. Yeah, we have Click Zach. Daddy. Zach Click actually daddy. threw into the private chat for us that they're both fair cops. So Zach's approves, and I love it so much. <laughs> <laughs> that was a fun one, though, David. I really appreciate. it. I, I will say this last note on on Zach before we move on to the to the other segments here. Crazy story, man. I mean, honestly, like I, when I started doing the background research, I had never heard a story like this before because at first he got on my radar simply because hey. Division two level, we need to transcend that quote unquote lack of competition, right? So for me, like what is going to transcend that? Traits. Well, six six plus, six, six and a half, 248 pounds, average over 20 yards a catch, 15 touchdowns. If you are going to be that guy that's going to make that jump from the division two level to an NFL team and make that, you know, make that jump and then to be a successful football player. You need to have those traits and you need to dominate the competition on your level. And he certainly did. So last note there on Zach. Old school Kevin Boss did that at his level. Kevin Boss. Coming Western out Oregon. of Western Oregon. D2 kid. I went up there. I met him. He had an incredible frame, body work, and style. And I got to know him. And uh, he was a guy that, to me, uh, was only 6'5". I don't think he was 6'6", like this guy, but. He was 6'5 and 245 or 250 when I got there and, you know, looked the part, played the part, and was just a difference maker at his level. So, you know, this is a, a if you want a D2 comp, that's one that I could see him, him fitting in. And shout out to Rick Saratelli. He's in the chat. He just threw Adam Shaheen, who was the Division two kid that was drafted by the Chicago Bears, I believe, in the third round when he came out, second or third round. It was pretty early. So, we got a bunch of tight end comps, but we want to move into the hot topic of the week. Of course, Matt Stafford and David, you know this one. You know this was close to my heart as a Los Angeles Rams fan. So I have a lot of thoughts on this one. Ready? So we have Mr. Matt Stafford was traded to the L.A. Rams in exchange for Jared Goff, David's boy, Jared Goff, by the way, a 2021 third-round pick, a 2022 first-round pick, and a 2023 first-round pick. And, of course, the Twitterverse – exploded because because why the rams hate first round picks oh the rams hate first round picks that's the whole conversation and of course of course the two first round picks in this after trading two for Jalen ramsey after trading two or three i forget what it was for jared goff originally so the rams have not picked in the first round since jared goff and they're not now going to pick until 2024 in the first round pick so uh, I think this is a really cool conversation, David, not only just from like, hey, let's look at it from the team perspective, but we talked about trade value, right? And we talked yeah. about why it's important. For me, I looked at this and I said, I thought the Rams won this trade. For me, the Rams win this trade more absolutes because you are going to get a better quarterback, a much better quarterback, in my opinion. No no disrespect to Jared Goff because he's solid. He's you totally are disrespecting him right now, but um, go ahead. Um, Jared Goff is a very solid quarterback not bad he's not but Matt Stafford in my opinion is one of the most disrespected and underrated quarterbacks of this era I think he's a very good quarterback that has been kind of you know just thrown into a bad franchise and a bad organization we talk about what situation means so much and despite that bad situation did you know this David he's all he's already tied for seventh all time 
in fourth quarter comebacks with John Elway. So it's not like he hasn't taken his team to 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 better heights than what they probably would have done. So Matt Stafford, in my opinion, you are trading two first round picks. You are getting rid of Jared Goff's contract, and you're getting a quarterback that in this winning window that you have, because their defense is good. They have Cam Akers. They have good wide receivers. There is a lot to like about this Rams team. And now you have, in my opinion, one of the top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL. He's not a top five guy, but he's a top 10 guy, in my opinion. And I think the Rams are ready to not because you've seen them get to the Super Bowl with Jared Goff already. Now we have a better quarterback for me. I think Rams are going to be one of the favorites to make it to the Super Bowl next year, in my opinion. Oh, I think so. hundred percent. Like, I agree with you. I think the Rams come out smelling like roses here because not only is he a better quarterback, Stafford, a better quarterback, and I'm not going to preference that with no disrespect because I am, I'm disrespecting you, Jared. It is what it is. You haven't proven it to me yet, but Stafford, like you said, he's moved into seventh all time in fourth quarter comebacks behind, behind a gold jacket or tied with the gold jacket, John Elway, right? Mm-hmm. So you're looking at a situation where they got much better at quarterback, much better than anybody they could have drafted. And here's the kick in the ass. He's only 33 years old. Okay. Right. you can, And he's got two years left on his deal. Both years of those deals, he's in his $20 million mark. He's not in a 30 or $40 million mark. He's in the $20 million mark both years. So you can sign him at 33 I know he'll be 34, I believe, before next season. So say 34 years old. Yeah, he's, then, he's, he's just about to turn 33, so he won't be 34 oh, next offseason. Yep. Okay, so he's 33 years old. And now you go and you sign him to a two-year extension. Mm-hmm. You got a guy locked up for four years. So he'll be, again, he'll be 37 years old before he sees the end of that. You've just solved your quarterback problem. For the next four or five years, you can sign him to a two or three year extension right. and you got him locked up for four and he's only 37, 38 years old. And and again, you can base that extension with, you know, escalators and all sorts of ways to map it out where if, if you, you know, uh, if we win a Super Bowl in your first two years, your third year of your contract, you know, goes up by five million dollars or six million dollars, whatever. And you can put some stuff in there that's friendly to the organization. If he plays into it, you actually know what that salary is going to go up. So now you can go and format and do some things to move your cap around, right? And and make sure to prepare for the quarterback to stick around. That's playing to earn the money, right? Yep. So you put the motivation in there to play to earn the money. He plays and he earns it. And now the Rams are winning. Say they win one Super Bowl in the next two years. Was this trade worth it? Hell yeah, it was. Absolutely. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And all they really gave up this year was a third round pick. I know they. I, I made a comment, and one of the Twitterverse people corrected me, saying they didn't have a first round pick to trade this year. And I said, no, I get that. And we haven't gotten to the the Lions section of this yet. But for me, if all you really gave up was Jared Goff and a contract that you didn't want to pay out anyways and got that off your books and then and and then a uh, third round pick for this year in order to potentially win a super bowl this year 2021 to win a super bowl 
Uh, I think you paid a, a very nice price to get that done. That's that's a favorable price. Now, if you get in the situation and you're not, if you don't look better on offense, you don't put your team in a in a in a Super Bowl this year. Yeah, people might chirp next year that this wasn't the best deal, and that you gave up your first round pick for the next two years about them. But I guarantee right. you, you go out and hit that Super Bowl, you win that ring this year. Hey, nobody's gonna say nothing about those first round picks. No one's gonna say nothing about those first round picks. Absolutely not. And I, I will say this, David. I think I think multiple great points there. For me, it's. Like, oh, people are like, oh, you traded for a 32, 33-year-old quarterback. That's not old anymore. <laughs> That's nothing, yeah, That's not old anymore. And also, it never was old. Right. I mean, it, it's just not 30-something years old for a quarterback is not old. They've played it to 35, 36 years old, and then 37, 38. Now Tom Brady's playing into his 40s. So, you're, yeah, you're looking at a quarterback that's gotten – prime left in him you know what i mean you're not he's not a beat up old horse and second you traded away a contract that you didn't want to pay so from the business sense you got off a contract that you didn't want to pay you received a quarterback that's contract is actually favorable for your cap who is a better quarterback and for the lions you know i heard they had to they, they had limited offers as far as two first round picks go the Lions had to give up to, or, or I'm sorry, the Rams had to give up the second first round pick for, uh, for, for the the Rams had to give up the second first round pick for the Lions to take the deal because they knew they were inheriting golf's contract and they had to get rid of you know um, they had to get rid of uh, golf. So they said, okay, if we're going to take that contract, then give us the second you know, a second first round pick because, you know, that's a big contract for us to swallow. If Jared comes up here and we don't like him, that's going on our cap. So, well, it's, yeah. So yeah, no, it's great points. So I will say this from the Lions perspective because that's where we're taking this conversation. Right. And I think that there's a lot of layers to this one. So, I mean, let's call it what it is. The Lions are in complete reset, complete reset. They're like, we need as many assets as possible. We need as many draft picks. So they had to eat the Jared Goff contract, but for them, it, that was worth getting those two first round picks and a third rounder. Like they are, that roster is so bad. They are not going to be relevant anytime soon. They gave da- uh, their coach, Dan Campbell, a six year contract. So this is a long haul overload here. This is a long haul rebuild. This is not a quick fix. So it's, you didn't have to trade Matt Stafford in the sense of like, He's not going to be in a different – like he could have been still been playing great football and been a, a good window when you potentially do turn over this roster. The problem is that you probably don't have enough ammunition to turn it over that quickly, so you had to get just completely hit the reset. And that's your biggest trade asset right now is Matt Stafford. So it was almost like their hand was forced at that point, right? It's not so much that he wouldn't be effective in the right window <laughs> – it's just that that was their only asset that they had. Well, no, they, they I, I get no, I get it's their only asset, but for me, the trade's bad for the Lions because they don't get they get a quarterback they might not end up keeping right. past you know past training camp this year. So if you if you say okay, so maybe this is my limited thinking, but I don't think it is. If you say okay, we're going with golf this year, and you pass on the 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 free agent uh, quarterback market or the market to get a Jimmy Garoppolo or maybe an Aaron Rodgers. I mean, who knows, right? I mean, if you pass on that opportunity to 
to get one of those guys or, you know, Sam Donald or somebody, then, and you go with golf and you, and you watch this Mario go around, go around and you don't get any of the other ones. And then you go into the draft and you don't draft a player. You're just fully committed to golf. And he's not what you think he is when you get to training camp and you're not happy once you get him into the building, right? Now you're stuck and that contract is going to hit your salary cap, not only in 2021, but it's going to hit you in 2022 when you cut him. So, you know, and then again, if you do not think golf is your guy, and this is a Brock Osweiler type deal where it's like, okay, you got to trade him and get the cap off us to, you know, do this other part and yada, yada. Well, now if how's, how's Jared going to react if you sign a veteran quarterback to back him up or compete with him? How is he going to feel if you draft a quarterback and, you know, it's a competition? Because he's the $100 million quarterback that's been to the playoffs and, and twice, and he's gone to the Super Bowl. So how's his ego going to take a trade and then more you know, more on top of it, either getting a veteran in there to back him up or getting a, a young kid to come in? And, and if you drop that young kid in the first round or, or second round this year, is it going to be a Philadelphia situation? Uh-huh. So, you know, again, that's why I don't like it for the for the Lions. As a trade, and also, you know, to talk about some of the couple of these rumors here really quick, in in, in essence with this, you know, one of the rumors I heard was my old club, the Panthers offered up the eighth overall pick this year in this year's draft to to get Stafford there. And I heard Stafford wasn't opposed to going there. So, you know, if that's the case, I know you wouldn't have gotten two firsts for Stafford. You might have only got one first and maybe a third, but they bought, potentially could have both been this year's draft. Mm-hmm. And then you got Stafford to Carolina, and you got you know, the two picks, and you hadn't had to inherit a quarterback contract that was heavy and a, and do all that other stuff just to get a second, a second first. So – you know, again, to me, that to me is a better deal because that hits that reset button starting this year, mm-hmm. and that eighth overall pick plus their pick, which I think where are the Lions sitting? I think they're sitting. Uh, where are they at? Five. Off the top of my head, I'm trying to think. Uh, we'll find out. We'll get it for you yeah, here in a second. Yeah. But Google Google exists, right? So we can find yeah. out. Yeah, we can find this. I think it's seventh. I think it's seventh. Don't don't quote me on that one, though. Okay, but even if it's seven, it it strengthens my point even better because now you'd have the seventh and eighth pick, back-to-back picks in the first round where you could take a Trey Lance and maybe a left tackle to solidify that that, uh, that first – yeah, the seventh round pick. It was seventh pick, so seventh and eighth. So, you know – that's what I'm saying. Like you could take Sewell and you could take Lance back to back, maybe in that area. And now you got your quarterback of the future and your left tackle, and you've done it back to back picks in the first round. And if both of them, um, if both of them play out, you have them on five year contracts. So, well, I will say this. I will say this. One, I've been doing too many mock drafts because I knew that seventh overall pick, right? Like that's the most r- random draft pick ever like i have no i don't care about the detroit lions at all which is you know pat pat on ryan's back i guess there for a split second for wasting his time with so many mock drafts i think the other thing david is when we comb those layers though 
talking about that, like obviously like eighth overall pick sounds great to me. Back to back sounds great to me. Hey, maybe you can even get up and get your quarterback. Brad Holmes is the general manager now with the Detroit Lions who is with the Los Angeles Rams. Maybe he believes in golf. Maybe he believes in golf and then said, hey, and then I got two first-round picks and a third-round pick coupled with – because apparently the story came out that Brad Holmes was the guy that really went to bat for Jared Goff when they drafted him to say, like, yeah, let's move – like, we have to move up. This is the guy. Like, this is the guy. So maybe he's just a golf believer and he got two first round picks and a third. Like maybe that's just his influence, I guess. And again, I see it. I understand. But, you know, you got to digest the play. And golf has been captain check down, you know, for the last couple of years. And now he's got an injured thumb. And yeah, he didn't throw it terrible in Green Bay, but he also didn't lead him down and win the game there either, you know. So, you know, now you tra- you're in Detroit. And you're going to have to play in Lambeau and you're going to have to play in Chicago outdoors, cold weather games, you know, at least once a year, unless they let you go in there early, which you're never going to get both those teams early. Uh, So, you know, that that finger, that thumb is going to be, you know, it's going to be something to watch. It's going to be something to watch how it comes out of his hands and everything and and how he how he develops with that injury. Um, on top of you know what this team's going to look like to protect him, to be able to, and again, you're not looking to protect that offensive line's not making a step up this year, you know, unless they pack some if, if they after they take it seven, but if they don't take if they take an offensive lineman at seven, then what are they going to do, you know, to fill out the receiver and running back cores and everything else, and also help their defense? So, you know, I like I like the the Carolina thing for what I heard. Because I was just like, you know, this gets you the eighth overall pick and probably a third this year. And now you can use that draft capital to start building your team, which like you've indicated, it's not uh, it's not going to be an instant coffee. They're not one or two players away. They need uh, they need several. But two this year to me is better than, you know, down because, again, they win the Super Bowl. That first round pick for next year becomes 32 or 30. You know, it's going to probably be between 27 and 32 for both those first round picks with with Matthew Stafford as their quarterback. So you're you're really kind of looking and equating to the to a second round pick for both those two those ones. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. So I, I think that we're both kind of on the same page with the trade. I think last note that maybe we should make real quick is I also think that some people need to realize that we're talking about like, hey. These are future draft picks that were given up for Matt Stafford. You're not going to know really if Detroit came out well in this. Like you can't call them a winner anytime soon. You have to see what what happens with those picks, how they're able to maneuver in the draft with those picks. Like what do they lead to? So just something to note. And then also, apparently, David, Matt Stafford had, had apparently the New England Patriots were in contact as well. And Matt Stafford did not want to be a Patriot, which is super interesting to me. It is super interesting to me because uh, I thought that would have been the I, and again I was right if they were in the ball uh, the ballpark because I thought they would have went half uh, hard after Stafford and tried to get him there because there they were they you know they were a team this year that yeah they didn't look that great but man their offense really put them in a lot of bad positions if they had a quarterback you know they would have been in a lot better positions this year and. Not drafting and not drafting anyone, and you know what happened last year in free agency and different things. You know they landed Cam late, late in the process. So you know 
for me, they definitely needed to address that quarterback position. I would have pushed hard, but I mean, it's hard to go somewhere if you're if the quarterback doesn't want to, you know, show up to work. So yeah. I can understand why they probably fell out of that arena themselves if, if they knew Stafford didn't want to go there. Just surprises me that Stafford put a hard no on New England. You know, I think some people the word might be out that it's not the friendliest place. It's not Disneyland to play in. And if you had the choice of throwing to Robert Woods or Cooper Cup over and kill Harry and Demir Bird, maybe probably yeah. probably take I'd probably take the formal on that one. So that's kind of the full digestion of the Matt Stafford Jared Goff uh, trade that we just saw over the last couple of days. I know we can go even more in depth on it because there's a whole lot of layers for me. And it sounds like David agrees. This is a win for the Rams. Maybe it's a win in the future for the Detroit Lions, but I don't think the immediate return is going to be anything impactful. And we have to see what happens with the draft picks. We want to move on to some senior bowl risers from this last week. It was exciting times. There's a lot of content going out at the NFL draft Bible. And uh, that is at uh, si.com backslash NFL backslash draft. If you want to get caught up on all the content that my team put out this week, Rick Saratella and the crew, as always do an incredible job. And uh, while I'm in the hospital for the birth of my first child, they were putting out so much content. It blew me away. So shout out to the team over at NFL Draft Bible catching up. Before we do, I want to tell you Maverick Sports Consulting is here to help organizations build the best teams available for them. We consult not just sports organizations, but also colleges, private businesses, and organizations that would look that would like an expert in the area of team building. Mavericks is happy to help you build up a team around you that will support a strong culture of, of growth around your ideas and products. We would like to put our 19 years of experience of team and culture building to use for you and your company today. Don't wait. Sign up today at mavericksportsconsulting.com. So we want to talk some senior bowl. We're going to split this up into two mini segments. We're going to talk about offensive risers during the week. Now, for scouting purposes, I was much more worried, and I think that everyone is, about the um, about the practice week, not so much the game. Of course, there's some guys that perform well in the game, but I want to see them in one-on-one situations. I want to see a larger scope of them. I want to see multiple days of practice. I want to see how they interact amongst other players. I want to see how they, how they relate to the coaches and take in this professional coaching. So, David, how we're going to do this is we're going to go one by one, Give some thoughts, throw some players out there, maybe like five or six guys, then we'll move on to defense and get out of here for tonight. So, David Turner, you're the man. You're the myth, the legend. I'll let you throw it out the segment. Go ahead. Give me a guy. Well, I'll say the biggest riser for me, because I didn't think a lot of people knew about him. I knew about him out here on the West Coast, but a lot of people I don't think really gave him any credit when they saw the roster come out, is Felton, the running back slash slot receiver out of UCLA. He was a guy that when they, when he showed up that first day, he was ready to work. And I mean, his quickness in and out of breaks, his ability to run, run routes, not only on safeties, but on corners. I mean, you saw him lose people each and every day, uh, with his route running ability to adjust to the ball. Uh, he's a short guy, but I mean, he has acceleration out of his breaks. He has close quarter quickness to make people miss and in, in close area space and then accelerate past them and finish. So for me, his versatility, not only as a running back, but a, a receiver and a possible return guy, 
uh, he really, to me, rose up a lot of draft boards, and he was consistent all week, all the way through the game. You know, he had that one touchdown in the game. He, and again, he, he's a guy that I think was consistent all week, ready to work, and, and really turned a lot of eyes on to him. Yep, absolutely. And I want to throw a couple shout-outs real quick because we've got some more chat room folks. Rick Saratolagan said, sign me up from AverageSportsConsultant.com, <laughs> baby. Absolutely. Great services over there. Dan Cassidy, congratulating me. Thank you so much, Dan. I really do appreciate it so much. It's uh, been exciting times. And I had a, actually a little more sleep than I originally anticipated, man. Knock on wood. Baby's been Jeez. pretty good so far. Jeez. So. <laughs> so good times here. Uh, to say the least, at both NFL Draft Bible and Average Sports Consulting. And thank you all for being in the chat room. Throw questions in here at any time. Throw some comments. We love it. We love interaction. And I will say about Demetrius Felton, David, I was expecting him to play. I know he was on the roster as a wide receiver, but like we had saw, we saw him exclusively at running back this year for UCLA. And in six games, he ran for over 600 yards, 668 yards. So he was having over 100 yards rushing a game. And for me, I was like, wow, this guy's the perfect, like he's had a wide receiver background. He plays running back. Like this is your third down back, man. This is your space player. Like this is, and then I'm seeing him like line up almost exclusively wide receiver all week, running these incredible routes, double moves, really nice route runner. So now I'm like racking my brain a little bit and saying like, so should I rank this guy as a running back? Is he a wide receiver? Does it matter? Like what, what do you think the outlook on him is real quick before I throw out my guy? Baller. Just baller. Baller. I mean, like, manufacturer. Let's do yeah, it. Yeah, well, I mean, like he's almost a similar size and speed as a a, a DMC and a Kamara, right? I mean, they're really in that ballpark together. So, you know, for me, it's like you're getting a guy who can run the ball between the tackles. You see it all year at UCLA, and then you go and you see these you see these opportunities here to catch the ball and what his receiver skills are. I mean, I think that I thought it was really smart by him and his agent to come down as a receiver because all we, I mean, if you want to digest the tape, they can go back to six games, like you said, Ryan, and watch him as a running back. And now they have a whole week of senior bowl where he's a receiver and he was very, very productive receiver at the senior bowl. So, it's like, whoa, I mean, th- now now you got tape on both and there's no guesswork. So I thought that was really crafty, crafty by him and his agent to do that. Uh, I, I couldn't agree more on that one. Felton really impressed me this week. Thanks again, Rick, throwing that uh, congratulations. Appreciate you guys so much. I really do. I thank everybody for the well wishes. You need a, braf, a braf, uh, draft Bible onesie. I'm working. I'm working on the Maverick onesie. Oh, Rick, Rick, if you heard that, draft Bible onesie, send it. Um, I almost said my address on air. Let's not do that. That's not a good idea. <laughs> Rick knows my address. I don't even know why I was going to say it out loud. Um, all right. So I'm, I'm going to throw out a guy. Ready, David? So for me, what, what, why is this week so big for some players? We talked about limited opportunity, limited ability to build a resume. For a player who had not had a season this year, did not have a fall season, what what is his draft stock looking like? And I'm talking about not only a player that did not have a fall season. I'm talking about a Division three offensive lineman by the name of Quentin Miners, who was a outstanding guard at UW Whitewater, Wisconsin Whitewater, who is a perennial power on the Division three level. And if you throw on his film, and shout out to UW Whitewater that actually gave me access to their huddle, so I could watch his film in depth. So I watch his film, and I'm like. I mean, my dude's mauling people. You know, he's a man amongst boys on the D3 level, you know. But what what, what is he going to look like 
in the big ponds with these bigger fish. Well, he went there, and not only, David, did he play a new position to him, he had started at left guard, I think, the entirety of his career at UW-Whitewater. He plays almost exclusively at center during the week, and he had one bad rep early on in the week where um, Levi Anwuzurike, defensive tackle from uh, Washington, who I'm a big fan of, you know, kind of forklift him a little bit and said, welcome guy, welcome D3 guy. But then the rest of the week, man, he was eliminating folks. He was dominating dudes, like at like legitimately power five players that might be drafted somewhere between the second and fourth rounds, like legit interior defensive linemen. So now I'm going back and I'm saying, wow, he alleviated a lot of a lot of my, my doubt there. He showed that he can compete with these guys. And a guy that was not able to play in a season, he showed up prepared, looked great, measured in over six foot three, 320 pounds, hit those thresholds, and he dominated practice. So for me, how could there be a bigger winner than a guy like this who not only does he have the Division three doubt, he also has the doubt of he hasn't played this year. He's playing a different position. Quinn Miners leaves this week for me as maybe the biggest winner overall of the entire week. You know, he, he like you said, he was six foot three, three twenty, thirty three inch arms, ten and one fourth hand, and he had the best belly of everybody because he was Great wearing belly. he was belly out, belly out for practice. So you know, I I was laughing when I saw him coming to practice that third day. You could tell he was feeling himself, and he had the belly out, and you could tell like people were talking about him and talking him up. So it was it was cute to see him like that. Um, and he did. He had a great week. I agree with you. He did a lot of good things, but. You know, for uh, to, and to piggyback off what you were saying about him, you know, he also he, he showed really good toughness, finishability, uh, some really good sustain with footwork and strength, and he was able to lock some dudes out. Um, not everybody needed to get full extension and lock out, but he did on a, on enough people where, like you said, they they rose their eyebrows. Another play, a player for me that didn't play this year he chose to opt out but then came to the senior bowl ready to ready to go and in shape and everything nico collins man like collins showed up and he had a really good week uh of practice and again let's talk about this we're gonna say a few things here and there tonight it doesn't mean we're hitting everybody because jim Nagy and them did a really good job loading up the senior bowl with some really good talent but we're just picking our overall top, top winners. And to me, Collins is one of those guys at receiver. I think he showed why a vertical stretch offense really should be in favor of of signing him and, and drafting him because you know, the way he is in the air, when they did the red zone uh, portion of practice that one day, he went up over top. I think it was a San Diego State corner or somebody, and he really just plucked the ball out from over their top, and it was amazing to see him being so eloquent in the air at the size that he is. Good body work, body control, uh, footwork along the sidelines all week. Uh, very good stretch ability. I don't know if he'll be a guy – that West Coast offenses will lean towards. But if I'm a vertical stretch offense, he's a guy that I'm all over after seeing what he could do at Senior Bowl week. Yeah, and he's a guy that, you know, just from a play style perspective, gave me some like Alshon Jeffrey vibes, you know, like he's not a burner. He's not going to, you know, he's probably not a, a yards after catch type of receiver. But working on that vertical third of the field and being able to gain extension at the highest point, I, I think that I think that he does a lot of really good things. And he did show up in shape, looked good. Um, so shout out, he's another player that despite not having a full season uh, or any season, I should say, really did some good stuff. 
my guy. I've been talking about him for weeks. Rick Zaratella's guy, if he's still listening. Khalil Herbert, baby. Khalil oh, boy. Herbert. I'm telling oh, you, man. Geez. I can't. Let's look. Let's watch the chat room blow up now. Hey, I'll tell you. <laughs> Khalil Herbert, I, I mean, he was already sold me as a runner. He's incredibly patient. He's got great vision. He sees cutback lanes exceptionally well. He's got enough juice. He's a really physical runner. Did you see my dude pass blocking this week, David? Yes. Absolutely. No, it was very Same. impressive. Yeah. I was like, okay, so you can run like that. You have soft hands. You have your kick return experience, and you can block. I think my guy's a three down back. I really do, and, and this is no hyperbole here. Like, you saw him take tough Borland from Ohio State, who's a middling prospect. He's not much of a prospect, to be honest. He might be a late-round guy. But, man, he had the block of the week in one-on-one <laughs> pass blocking drills. And it wasn't just that one block. It was like every snap. Like there might not have been a ton of pancakes outside of that, but he was sustaining blocks. He was staying, you know, he was staying uh, square, patient. He was he was really um, framing guys well, being aggressive in his set. Like there were so many good things for me. I already knew you could run. I knew you could catch. I knew you could return a little bit because you did an outstanding job at Virginia Tech as a returner as well. But now I see that you are an outstanding pass blocker in a in a drill where those one on one drills with those linebackers blitzing that's not a high that's not a high um, success rate drill for running backs in those one on one situations for me that opened up a lot of eyes. Yeah, no, I I fall right with you in line with that because Herbert the pass blocking and his pass catching out of the backfield I thought was good this week. He was definitely a guy that opened a lot of eyes this weekend. You know, being five foot eight and uh, 207 pounds, almost five foot nine. But, you know, again, he catches the attention on the hoof a little bit. Though you, I mean, personally, I would like him a little bigger. We all know that. But, you know, he's falling in line with a lot of what these stretch offensive running backs look like these days. So it was really nice to see him have the toughness to step up into deliver the blow and pass protection too. And last guy, before we get over to the defense, I don't know if you have anybody else, but I just want to shout I out got one quick. more. I got, I got one, one more. more okay. Too. Go for it. Then. Go for it. Jump in front of me. Get it. Okay. I like the tight end McKitty out of Georgia. I Eight think. Hands. Yeah. Hands. 11 hands or whatever it was, but I mean, this kid has all the, you want to talk about markers. I mean, this kid came like with the full array of markers. And, and again, there was a few tight ends that did, uh, this was a good class here. Don't get me wrong, but you know, for him, six four, just a shy of two fifty, thirty two, and one fourth arm and eleven hands. I mean, this is a kid that was underutilized at Florida State, underutilized at Georgia. Showed up in shape, showed up ready to go, ran good routes, had some great kickout blocks, had some good seals um, when they were doing drills and things, and in, in, in team. So, you know, it's really a guy that I thought maximized his opportunity at Senior Bowl to say, hey, I really was underutilized at those schools. Look what I can be for your team here. Yeah, and I'm usually the one that reads the comments, David, but I'll let you choose to read that one if you wish. If not, I will move on. (laughs) (laughs) I bet Samantha likes the big hands. Too bad Rick's hands are no size 11s, but we'll keep that just just so we all know. The the Familia doesn't have 11 hands, but you know, RIC, we still love you. I, I heard I heard Rick was uh, originally going to be in that commercial with the tiny hands on the Whopper. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah Move it on there. Last offensive guy. Yeah, Trump to throw beat him out, out for it. Trump beat him right. out for that one. Oh, oh yes, 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 he did. <laughs> uh, last guy, Deontay Smith, offensive tackle from East Carolina. I'll omit this one, David. 
I watched two of his games. I didn't like him. I'll be very honest. I was like ready to throw him out, you know, because he did not, he only played in one game in 2020. I took a look at two games. Didn't like it. I really didn't. I was like, eh, like I just some physical tools, but like, I don't, I don't like it. Like I just didn't. Um, then I went back because I saw a couple people had a little different of an opinion. So I'm like, okay, these two to three games that I watched wasn't enough. I'll go watch old dominion and I'll watch another one. The old Dominion game really was the one that got me because um, they actually have a talented defensive end who's transferring to Georgia Tech for his final year, Keon White, who's very talented, six foot four, 265 pounds. They had a lot of one-on-one matchups in that game. I started seeing it. I started seeing it. There is some power through those hips. There is some length. There is some athleticism. He showed up at a shade over 6'5", uh, or 6'5", exactly, actually, I believe, and over 35-inch arms was up. He only played last year at about 275. His weight was up to 290, 295 pounds, somewhere in that range. And I wasn't expecting this. I expected him to flash. He might have been the best offensive tackle in attendance, honestly. So now I think he's going to be a very interesting conversation because for me, I don't think the tape quite matched up with the week. But then also we only got one game in 2020, so maybe this is just the improvement that he made. I don't know. He's a funky one for me, but shout out to Deontay Smith, man. What a phenomenal week. I honestly think he may have been the best offensive tackle in, in attendance this week, just based upon how he played during the senior bowl. I think he did phenomenally. So just quick one. Now, what do you like him at though? So originally I thought he was a guard. I thought he was a, a zone heavy scheme, maybe outside stretch type of guard. But then he, I mean, then he checked in, right? And he looked phenomenal offensive tackle and he was 6'5 and he had 35 plus inch arms. So I'm like, you know, there's, I mean, he has all the measurables and all, hits all the thresholds. So I guess he's an offensive tackle, right? Like that's, it's like. Yeah, no, he checks off all the, the markers. Your boy Brown, last comment on offense, but your boy Brown yeah. looked good at right tackle. He struggled at left, but at right tackle, I think yeah. he found a home and he made some money at right tackle. Yeah, he's definitely more. Um, he's definitely more comfortable at right. And and shout out to that one too, because that's a great point, David. That that will end the offense on. And people overreact so much because Spencer Brown had a couple bad reps, Northern Iowa offense tackle the first day, but the last two days, man, he was locked down. He was very good. During the game, did a very good job. And he is a guy that hadn't played in a year, so I, I, the overreactions on the first day just get me so much, man. It's like, <laughs> like, oh god. All right, yeah. Moving on, defense. Defense, defense, defense. I only have two guys for this, David, so I don't know how many you have. I have um, three. But all week, you know, all week I was blessed to be with uh, Patricia Trainer on um, lock on locked on uh, Giants, and we did our Senior Bowl show every day. And he was a guy that uh, I, I mean, we went through position by position, team by team every day. So it was yeah. kind of fun to do that. So if anybody wants to know my opinion on more players after this, go download those episodes from uh, Locked On Giants, and you'll hear me all week doing everything. Yeah, Locked On's a great network. Uh, your favorite person's also on the Locked On Podcast Network. So shout out to Locked On Podcast Network <laughs> on here. Um, shout out to NFL Draft Bible Podcast Network too. Shout out to everybody out there. Ten people still in the chat. We would love some questions. Throw them in there. Send some highs. Say some buys. Whatever. It doesn't matter. <laughs> um, but defense. Um, you just said the last one. Did you not? Uh, I went with the Georgia tight end. And then you went, well, no, you went with the offensive guy uh, tackle. <laughs> So my turn. I, I, I got Roche out of out, the outside linebacker out of Miami. Yeah. Good 
God, him and Cooper from Ohio State, both those kids all damn week were bringing it in past one-on-ones. Both of them were bringing it in the run drills, inside run zone stuff. They were locking up double teams. I mean, both Roche and Cooper to me were like unbelievable talents this week. And and I, I, I was going to bring up Roche tonight. I don't know if you like Cooper or not, but I like both these kids a lot. I thought they both played stronger than their body frames would indicate, their measurables would indicate. I thought both of them took on double teams, stacked people really well. Um, you know, and I, and again, I can go on and on, but those two really were were phenomenal for me. And uh, Roche, I thought, made a lot of money as a riser this week. I like Roche a bunch more than I like Cooper. Um, not huge on either guy. Like I think they're good. For, I th- I think Roche is a good football player, though. I will say that I think he is a good football player. Rick says Roche was a beast. We had him on our show today. Great guy, strong and humble. Yes, I did check out. Um, I did check out the daily show today from NFL draft Bible, the state of football. Make sure to check out that show today where they had both Quincy Roche and Charles Snowden, the outside linebacker edge defensive. I don't even know what the hell he is, David. We have to have a conversation about him. I don't know what position he plays, but he's a, I had a fantastic career at the university of Virginia. He was on the state of football today as well as Quincy Roche. So, um, yes. uh, So pass rusher, I'm going to stay with the pass rusher though. Talking about another small school kid. I'm bringing all the small school kid guys out here. Ready? Ellerson Smith. Oh, that was my next one. <laughs> ah, I stole him. I stole him. <laughs> that was my next one. You stole him. Defensive end, over six foot six, 260 plus pounds. Defensive end out of Northern Iowa. I mean, hey, so I, I expected because he had a lot of one on one battles with Spencer Brown while at Northern Iowa, and they rave about each other and the battles that they had. And Ellis Smith had like last year as a junior 14 and a half sacks over 20 tackles for loss. So like he's a phenomenal football player. I expected him to be bendy on the edge, which he was. I expected him to have good flexibility in his hips and ankles, which he does. But what really set apart for me, David, was he played last year at about 240, 245. He showed up at over 260 pounds. When they lined him up inside on guards this week, it was game over. It was it was over. They couldn't do anything with him. So now I'm like, oh man. You added a power element. You added some size. So now he's a guy I could say, I can line you up anywhere on passing downs, any spot, and you could take advantage of one-on-one matchups. Well, also, I don't know if you, it caught your attention, but in the game, there was a bootleg, and he was playing defensive end, mm-hmm. and he came up field, and then the bootleg came his way. He put his foot in the ground, stopped on a dime, and then accelerated to quarterback. The you know best technique i've seen done in a long ass time from a 6'6 260 pound dude to be able to come off the edge then throw his ankle and his foot in the ground and sink his hip stop on that dime and then push off and accelerate to quarterback and then at 6'6 it was an incompletion because he's right there with his big old paw up in the air and they you know they couldn't get the ball out around him and i was like man that that play right there for scouts like myself that really love traditional defensive end play i mean that play right there will make him a lot of money because he was able to bend back to quarterback on a bootleg like that and influence of throw to the ground because of his acceleration right through the quarterback and his length interrupting or inter- intruding on the throwing lane on the uh, for the quarterback so yeah i'm i'm a big fan of his too like i said he was coming up next for me yeah i think i would be shocked Maybe I don't want to put money on this, but I'd be shocked if Ellerson Smith makes it out of day two now. Because just looking 
at all the measurables he has, all the talent he has, the size that he has added, and the ability to line up in multiple positions on passing downs in a passing league, I'm there. You got me. I'm I'm sold too. I'm with you because you like you said you could you could be a three four team, and he can play you know the end for you at that size. You could put a little weight on him. He's definitely got a frame. You could put a little weight on him, or you could be a, a forty three front and he could play the edge for or outside on the edge, off the edge, coming off the edge of the hand in the dirt. So I don't think he's a stand up guy by any sense of the imagination. But again, if a forty three team uh, gets him or brings him in, you're looking at a guy who can pinch in, like you said, a three technique on rush downs. He can play outside. You know, potentially you could even stand him up if you chose to. I, I mean, I just didn't see that this week. Yep, yep. And Rick agrees with us, monster. Reminds me a little bit of Preston Smith that plays with the Green Bay Packers a little bit. Like, I think there's some similar characteristics there. Um, so, got to keep an eye on Ellerson Smith. Uh, I talked David, so I'll say real quick. David, we, 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 uh, we had a lot of choice words about uh, the defensive end, Wyatt Hubert out of Kansas State, who came in with 30-inch arms. Baby arms. Yeah. He looked pretty good, though, this week. I'm not going to no, say he's he not good like that. He's going he's gonna to fool you. He's going to fool you. He's, he was a high-motor guy, and his high-motor had some success early this week. He's got but... strong hands. He's got strong hands, man. Yeah. I, know, I know. He's not going to fool me. I'm not going to put a high grade on him, man, but he's fun. He's a fun guy. He Last is guy. a fun guy. He was fun yeah. to watch, absolutely. He, he, play, he performed better than I thought he would in one-on-ones. I thought some some guys with length would give him a little bit of issue. I didn't think he did. I'm going to throw my last guy in and let David finish up here because I think he had three. Last guy I wanted to just quickly shout out was Osa Odigizua. Hopefully I didn't just take that from David as well. Defensive no, trust tackle. me, that was not one of mine. <laughs> Osa Odigizua. So defensive tackle. He actually uh, His brother Owa Odigizua was defensive end for the New York Giants. Um and uh, was not, you know, did, did not pan out very much. He was kind of, I think, an early second round selection when he came out. Osa is a different player. He's an interior player, and he is um, only came in at about six foot two, two hundred eighty pounds. So an undersized player. I expected him to be a great athlete, which I think he is. I think he really moves gap to gap. He's a gap penetrator. I think as a three tech potentially. There's a lot of untapped potential. But, David, the thing that caught me off guard with Osa, you know, he was winning one-on-ones all week. But the thing that caught me off guard was he wasn't moved very easily. You know, they were putting him at zero sometimes, just head up on the on the center. And, you know, he's working against double teams. He's working in just in drive box situations. And I'm like, my guy at 280 pounds is not getting moved very much. So now I'm looking at him. I'm saying, no, I thought he was just a, you know, just very – Scheme-dependent, gap-penetrating three-tech. But can he play in multiple spots, potentially? Can he transcend you know, his only average and middling heights and um, size? Because I think he did have pretty decent arm length. I don't have it in front of me, but I think it was like 33-inch arms, if I had that correct. So I think that he has decent length for the interior, which I guess helps him out to lock out on those double teams and whatnot. But I think that Osa had a great week, and I think that he really – because I wasn't expecting he much. He actually had 34 and an eighth arm. That's insane. And a 10 and three-fourths hand. That's insane. And he's only 6'2 two and 280. That is weird, dude. That's a weird body. That is a weird, weird body. But for me, I he I wasn't expecting much. I didn't love his film a ton. Like I saw the flashes, but he looked like a completely different player this week. And he really impressed me in those one-on-ones. But in team and an inside run, he just wasn't moved very much. So shout out to Oso Digizu. I thought he had a great week. 
Yeah, I, I'm not with you on him. I, I, I wasn't shot in the ass with him all week. There was other guys I was more shot in the ass with. But, you know, uh, I, you and Lorenz both liked him. And I and I, and I I listened to you guys. I, I'll go back and watch some more tape on him because he wasn't one that I was coming away from the week going, ooh, yeah. Um, you know, but who I was, who I had no idea about, who I had no idea about at all going into this week was this Minnesota corner oh, freaking yeah. St. Juice. Benjamin St. Juiced, you got guy him. Is, guy is 6'3", 200 pounds, 32-inch arms, and nine and a fourth hand. And good, good God, I I quit counting how many pass breakups the kid had all week. Like, he, people, it's like, he, they, I mean, in one-on-ones, they would throw his way. But in team, it's like they never went his way because they saw him out there, and that was it. So, you know, for me... I was just like, good golly, this kid, where did he come from? Who is he? And again, this is a very talented roster. I think out of the 146 kids that uh, they brought down there, they all showed up for the most part. And, you know, these kids took it, took advantage of this opportunity, whereas years in the past, a lot of kids would skip it. They'd wait for their pro day, train for combine. But this year, these rosters were really filled with a talented 150 players. So, you know, for this kid to jump out at me and, and you know, amongst these other names at DB, I thought it was a kudos to him. He really maximized and rised up draft boards with his play this week. Yep. Uh, another good one. I know uh, Jeremiah Bogan at NFL Draft Bible, our DB guru of sorts. He actually still plays defensive back on the Division II level. Really like Benjamin St. Juice. He thought he was phenomenal both in man and zone and had a lot of characteristics. I mean, you start rattling off those measurables. I'm just like, eh, it's pretty good. Pretty good. Michigan transfer as well. Just throwing out there last um, little tidbit on him. Uh, overall impressions, Dave, we're going to get out here a little earlier than we usually do. So that's good. So quick impression here just from the week. I know you said that it was a very successful one. We saw most of the players who decided to commit to the event did end up going. So we had a great event, I thought. Uh, quarterback play was a little – up and down, to say the week, uh, say the least. <laughs> um, I noticed that neither one of us mentioned any quarterbacks in this uh, senior class because your boy Kyle Trask didn't want to compete um, at the <laughs> senior bowl. But um, yeah, for me, I felt like from I really thought, and this is a shout out to all the smaller school players, both FCS and the Division Three young man Quinn Miners that we had. For me, a lot of these young these. Small school kids really stole the show this week, which was great to see because I honestly worry about those guys because I know that they're not getting the best advice all the time. They didn't have a season. Some of these guys have thrown their hat in the ring maybe without even evaluating the full scope of what their draft process is going to look like. But for me, like shout-out to Ellison Smith, shout-out to Spencer Brown, shout-out to Quentin Miners, shout-out to Christian Uphoff, the safety who had a pretty solid week from Illinois State. Like so many small school guys – really took advantage of limited opportunity this week and had phenomenal weeks. Uh, so, David, uh, final thoughts that you want to throw out there real quick? Well, I see there's a question in the draft in the room. We'll, we'll get it um, uh, one oh. second here. But there, the Gram, you know, like you said, a lot of these kids took advantage of it. The David Moore kid out of Grambling, offensive lineman. You know, I, you know, I thought the kid from, you know, Notre Dame, uh, one of the offensive linemen. Uh, no, 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 not 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 him the other one Hainsey. yeah Hainsey. Hainsey had a really good week I, you know everybody knew banks coming into the week but i thought leaving the week everybody was like who's this Hainsey kid i want to talk about him some more you know and 
you know, again, we can sit here all day. Like I said, I, I have the papers in front of me. These these rosters were loaded. Hats off to Jim Nagy for pulling it off. Ha I text him. I told him I hope he got to relax and enjoy the success for having such a great event. So, you know, kudos to the whole, all him and his staff for making it happen and giving these kids a, a, an opportunity to compete. And my understanding is there's only one positive test COVID-wise for a player or staff member all week. So, you know, God bless them for getting it all done and, and keeping them all safe down there. Yep. Shout out to Jim Nagy for sure. David, this is the question that you wanted to touch base on real quick. I can read it for you if you'd like. Yeah, I just uh, saw it in there. I, I didn't know what it was. I, I didn't even say it, to be honest. I was actually looking in the private chat. So we have uh, from Michael Bryan said, do you think scouts would connect if they're not interested? I sent them prospects film and they decided to connect instead of ignoring the request. I don't want to read too much into it. But when a DB coach, coach's name of the NFL team connected, my thoughts were that a coach probably wouldn't accept requests from players they are not interested in. Your thoughts? Depends on the team. Depends on the player. Um, you know, certain teams that I'm, I've been with, the player request would go to the, the personnel office. And then if it was kicked back to the coach, then they were definitely interested. Other times, other teams, um, such as like the Bengals, their coaches do a lot of scouting for them. So, you know, if it was that, if it was that in specific team, I wouldn't read too much into it because they, they have to get to know everybody in the draft. That's their job. And they have to write reports on them and stuff. So that would be the situation. I mean, if you want to talk, you know, about it off, off camera a little bit more and give me some more specifics, we can definitely do it. And I can help you figure that out um, to know if you should be reading hard into it or just soft into it. Um, so, you know, just let me know what you want to do on that one. But, you know, in that situation, it depends on the, the staff and the team and what, what they're asking the coaches to do. We appreciate that question. I hope that answered, you know, some, some part of that question. Reach out to David at Mav underscore sports if you want to explore the question further. Appreciate everybody that has been in the chat room so much for taking the time, throwing some good wishes, throwing in some, some banter, throwing in some questions. We appreciate you all. As always, every week here, 8.30 Eastern time, Tuesday nights, Maverick um, at Mav underscore sports again for David. Mav Sports Take here. Ryan Roberts at Rise and Drev. Hopefully I have some more coffee next week because I need to wake up here. Read the, read the comments. Read the comments. Oh, no. <laughs> Rick's what? breaking something. Oh, no. Breaking news. David Garn getting dealt per report. Deshaun Watson to the Las Vegas Raiders. Blockbuster could be. In the works. So we're, well, first breaking news, I think, kind of, right? right? Yeah, that's the so. first for us. We don't break news on maps. So I just saw it popping up and I was like, Rick's, Rick's throwing something at us. Let's get to it, boys. So we're going OT. If this is true, if this is a true statement, this is a huge get for the Las Vegas Raiders to be able to pull Deshaun away from the, the Houston Texans who, again, it's always great when a team says we're not interested in drafting or trading the player. You know what I mean? Oh, Derek Carr. Derek Carr, by the way, not David Carr. I read David Derek Carr. Derek Carr, yeah. Derek Carr. I, I'm sorry. Come on, Thank Rick. you. Come on, Rick. Let's go, dude. Right, yeah. Go but no, if, if Derek Carr is actually getting dealt and they're getting Deshaun Watson, obviously some picks and stuff will have to go that way in order for them to get Watson. And not only it won't be just a straight up car for Watson deal, but you know, that being that, that my initial reaction is a hell of a get for the Raiders. If that's coming to fruition for them. And again, for the Texans, keep lying to us, keep lying to us. God. 
All right, quick reactions. It's going to be very easy for Deshaun Watson to get his number four because their cars could be out of the door. Um, so, yeah, shout out. All right, now we appreciate it, though. We appreciate it so much for, for dropping some breaking news in here. Um, obviously, Deshaun Watson is a huge upgrade over Derek Carr. There is no question in there. I don't think that breaking any any uh, you know any stories there by telling you all of that. I look forward to seeing what the deal is. I would hope that after seeing what Stafford got, you know, in return, uh, what the Lions got in return for Stafford, I would hope that Deshaun Watson's getting three firsts at least and Derek Carr. Um, it's a it's a big deal though for John Gruden. It's absolutely a big deal. I feel like they're a team that might be in that category of one quarterback away from being you know, a playoff team and maybe being a Super Bowl contender. So that is a big deal. Deshaun Watson, one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. I will say the Houston Texans, their side of everything. I'm sure you're probably getting a King's ransom as far as draft picks, but what a dumpster fire the Houston Texans are. <laughs> My God, I cannot. I mean, we didn't even talk about the head coaching hire there. The head coaching hire, Canisero, like, Dude, now you have to replace Deshaun Watson. Maybe you're replacing with Derek Carr. Like, my lord, what a dumpster fire. That Jack Easterby, baby, leading them to the promised land. Leading them to the promised land. Oh, my God. That sickens me, dude. It sickens me. It absolutely sickens me. As a career personnel guy, to see where they were just a few years ago, when literally when Rick Smith was there. Right. And they they were struggling. I get it. But then they went and hired, um, you know, Brian Gain to come in and work with Bill O'Brien and Brian's a longtime personnel guy and a friend and he only got one year and he was combating Easter B and he was combating what the coach wanted to do and the players and everything and then they let him go and now the coach is out and you know it's just become such a, a they're going to have incredible difficulty signing any free agents to want to go there and they don't have that many draft picks even if they pick up this year's first rounder from the Raiders, you know, they don't, they'll have that first rounder this year and next year. Well, you would hope they would at least have those two, mm-hmm. which would, you know, obviously get them back into the first round because they didn't have a first round pick the next couple of years, but they still don't have a second. They don't have a lot of draft capital overall. And now you're in a situation where, you know, you're, you're trying to generate. Which I which I applaud Nick Casario for doing. You're trying to generate as much draft capital as you can, but again, you're you're losing a, a, a dynamic quarterback, a, a potential league MVP quarterback. So you know, and it's got to be a, a, a big price, like you said, to pay for for the, for Deshaun. If it's not, <laughs> and it's like, say, you got three first rounders over the next three years, but you didn't get a third or or something else. In spite of you got Derek Carr. I don't know if that's really enough. Being frank, I don't really know it's enough because Stafford they got two. They got a quarterback. They got two two ones and a three and a quarterback. So if you get three ones and a quarterback, is it enough? I don't think it is. As I'm doing my first reaction right now, and I'm processing because I don't know what the facts are. But if I'm yeah. promising three three first and a quarterback. I still don't think it's enough for Deshaun. Three firsts, a second, and a third next year. Let's, let's go with that. And then, well, that would be okay. That would be that would be something. Okay, 
But again, that's my call. I that's, gotta see the deal. Yeah, I gotta see the deal to like give you a true reaction. But what you just said, Ryan, like if they got three first, like I just listened to that and I'm like, yeah, I don't know if that's enough for Deshaun. You know, that's my prediction. Though I'm gonna throw that prediction out there. And man, I, I mean, I'm I'm sorry for for harking on Houston here for a second, but like, man, you just pay you paid your quarterback, 30-plus million dollars a year to be your long-term quarterback. He's a top-five quarterback in the NFL, and he's only 25 years old. And you can't get out of your way, and you just lost one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL because your your franchise is such a dumpster fire. How terrible is this entire situation? Uh, last thing we'll hit on real quick. We're going overtime. Rick said, say, uh, saying there will be at least 16 new week one starting quarterbacks for the year. This is next year. We are going, uh, are we going over, under on six? <laughs> Rick, you can't just say 16. You got to go 16 and a half or 15 and a half. Yeah, on. come on. Don't you know any better? Uh, um, I mean, because two is about a half. I mean, he's about a half of a quarterback, isn't he? Two is. Well, are we saying what, what started? Oh, wait, from this year to next year. Wait, but he ended the year as a starter. Does that count? Does two count? Are we talking about from week one to ne- next year's week one? Or are we talking about from the end of the year? I think Fitzmagic might wind up in New England. I think Fitzmagic might end up in New England. All right, let me think. Uh, New England, maybe the Jets, right? I'm just doing No, it's the Jets are not. They, look at who they hired. I said maybe. It's like a half. It's not happening. Jets isn't happening. They hired the team to go around the Sam Don. Sam Don. I said maybe. I said maybe. I said maybe. Yeah, uh, you're wrong. Los Angeles Rams. Los Angeles Rams. Um, I can't. I'm saying it's under 16. I'll say it's close. Colts. It could be 14, but yeah. I don't think it's 16. I think it's under. I think it's under. 16 sounds a lot, dude. That's half, half of the league? That's yeah. a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. Like, like you could have told me 10. I would have been like, all right. You know, like a third of the league. I can get it. Yeah, that. I think, Rick, if you want action on that, you got to you gotta set it at 12 and a half and see if people come take the over. Oh, that's a good one. I would say, like, yeah, 12 and a half. 12 and a half or 11 and a half. I think that is a very good over-under. That's a good over-under, yeah. I would, I would set it there. Um, okay. So we got a little delayed there. Back to the outro. Thank you all so much for joining us tonight. Make sure you subscribe, like, retweet, send us a review. <laughs> Shout out to Mr. David Turner. Mav Sports Tape, episode 27. See you all next week. Same time, same place. Everybody have a magnificent week. Thank you all so much. Thanks for listening to another episode of Mav Sports Take. Connect with us on social media, share your thoughts on today's episode, and tell us what we should take on next time on Mav Sports Take. Want more from our hosts, David and Ryan? Visit maverick and learn how we can help you take the next step in your sports career. Until next time, this is Mav Sports Take. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. 
I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 